This time on Poll Hub, it's been way too long. One of our favorite guests, CNN's polling guru, Harry Enten, is here to talk shop. In this case, polling the first few months of the Biden presidency. After four years of a president whose average approval numbers never really changed much, we have a president whose average approval numbers don't really change much. Is this the new normal? Plus, Harry's sticking around for Lee's fun fact, which means it must be about diet root beer. Spoiler alert, it is not, but it's worth sticking around for. Hey, it's almost the holiday weekend and we are ready for it. You probably are too, so let's get this going. And hi everybody, welcome to Poll Hub. I'm J.D. Depper, Director of Innovation here at the Marist Poll. And I'm Barbara Carvalho, Director of the Marist Poll. And I'm Lee Marigoff, Director of the Marist College Institute for Public Opinion. And the other guy on the line is Harry Anton. Um, we didn't use your real title, we called you Polling Guru. Do you want your real title or can we just call you that? You call me whatever the heck you want. As my father would say, just don't call me late for supper. <laughs> of course, <laughs> we would never do that. So um, polls, uh, polling, President Biden uh, has been stuck uh, in a kind of a good place, I guess, compared to Donald Trump, above 50% approval ratings pretty much for the, the first four months here since he's been inaugurated. Uh, a surprise? Is it the new normal as we talked about? I mean, what do you make of this? You know, I, I think first off, a lot of people noted when Biden entered the White House that he really didn't have much of a honeymoon bounce. His approval rating was the lowest, I believe, of pretty much any president who entered the White House, except for the former president just before him, Donald Trump. But now as we've gotten down the line and we're four months in, we're seeing Biden all of a sudden get passed in a bad way for those other presidents, a good way for Biden is those presidents saw their approval ratings drop in the 40s, while Biden has been stuck in this range roughly between 52% and 55% in the average. It's by far the smallest range for any president in the post-World War II era. And, you know, I do think it's some sort of a new normal, and it's based around polarization, right, where Biden gets 90% plus of all the Democrats basically gets 10% or less of the Republicans, and then independents basically bouncing around versus, you know, you look at a lot of these earlier presidents who sometimes with the opposition party could have approval ratings in the 30s in their first few months of the presidency. There's nothing like that anymore. We are a polarized country. And at least for now, I believe we are in some form of a new normal. Is that we just have I mean, is Biden benefiting because there are more Democrats than Republicans, or is our independents more favorably inclined to support him at this point than they were Donald Trump? I mean, what, what what's the difference between 54 and 45? Right. And right. And, and the other thing I should note, you know, with Donald Trump is he started off at 45 and he actually was dropping into the high 30s at this point. Yeah. So Biden's approval rating is considerably more steady than even Trump's, which was the steadiest, was, you know, nothing mattered, right? For yeah. Joe Biden, really nothing matters. But in terms of your question, I would say it's two things. One, yes, Democrats do make up a slightly larger percentage of the electorate than Republicans do. So that's helpful to Biden. Biden's approval rating with Democrats is generally averaged higher than Trump's with Republicans. And then the other thing, as you sort of hinted at, is that Biden's approval rating with independents has generally been in the 50s while Trump's was generally in the 30s to 40s. So although Biden isn't doing, say, like greatly better than Trump among his core constituency or even with independents, he's doing better enough so that the aggregate ends up with him an approval rating between 52 and 55 versus Trump, who is generally between, say, the high 30s and the mid 40s. 
You know, it, we have been a very polarized country for uh, quite some time now, and uh, certainly uh, the average, uh, you know, approval rating of Biden certainly uh, fuels that. But one of the things I do notice too is that Americans aren't quite so quick to. Um, judge him necessarily as a Democrat and Republican when it comes to some other kinds of issues, uh, particularly uh, his 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 work uh, on COVID and and how the coronavirus is going. Um, also, I mean, he is is uh, doing about as well as his approval rating on the economy. Um, so, what's what's going on there? Um, are Americans kind of, you know, at least thinking through how is that more a reflection of Biden, or is that more a reflection of just how those things are going? I think it's probably a little bit of both, and you're right to point out. Really, the coronavirus and uh, Biden's approval rating on that tends to be sort of the outlier, uh, where he does considerably better on that issue than he did overall. Uh, that's the opposite of the former president, Donald Trump, who tended to do considerably worse on the coronavirus than he did overall. I think it's something that Americans see every day, which makes it, you know, it's no longer sort of this pie in the, you know, sky idea that I have to listen to the leaders to understand how this particular issue is going. Americans feel it every day. They know what's going on. And so I think it's able to break through the polarization in a way that perhaps other issues that um, might not be able to. So I think that's certainly the case. And also let's be honest, right? Uh, we're doing much better as a country on the coronavirus right now than we were doing five or six months ago. So I do think that voters are willing to give Biden the benefit of the doubt on that. And the one little other nugget I'll throw out there was that at the beginning of the coronavirus, right? This was all the way back in the, of the pandemic back in the middle of March here in the States. Trump's approval rating on the coronavirus really wasn't that bad at all. They were willing to give him some benefit of the doubt. He did get some rally around the flag event in his favor. It just so happened that in the minds of the American public, he tended to blow it. And then his approval rating on COVID fell through the floor and his overall approval rating tended to fall back as well. One thing that surprised me a little bit, but it may be showing up in these independent numbers is the, um, you know, the volume has been turned down uh, so much that the first three or four months, a lot of Washington reporters are kind of, you know, especially in places like Politico and Axios where they live for politics, they're like, oh, this is kind of boring. We need to find some new stories. But the volume has turned down so much. I wonder if that has something to do with Biden's approval rating, conversely to Trump, where the volume was turned all the way up. So he was stuck in this low 40s. Is that partly why you think that, that Biden stays in this mid 50s as the independents are giving him the benefit of the doubt? Because as you point out, that's the swing. Right. I mean, the swing is the independence. He'd be at 45 if independence felt about him the way they felt about Donald Trump. Yeah. You know, there was one sort of pitch that Biden had that even if he didn't say it out loud, a lot of his supporters believed was that he would be boring, boring Biden. You know, if you look at the Google trends, for example, you see that, you know, he really is oftentimes in his presidency running equal to where Trump is right now. That is even as Trump has been out of office, he's running well behind where Trump was at this point in his presidency. And I do think that being boring, allowing a lot of Americans who felt like they had to watch the news every night to be able to shut it off and maybe watch an episode of Jeopardy instead, I think it works for him and it allows them to reflect not necessarily on his personality, which was one of the re main reasons that voters didn't like the former President Trump, Instead, focusing more on the issues, focusing on the fact that we're coming out of the COVID pandemic, 
focusing on the fact that the economy is slowly but is improving from where it was in its steps last year. I think the issues are allowed to speak for themselves and Biden taking a step back and not being someone who dominates the news is something that's very beneficial. And maybe if the former President Trump had recognized that not necessarily being at the forefront of the news is actually a good thing, his own record in terms of the minds of the American public might have turned out better and he might have, in fact, been reelected. But but that that's his like modus operandi. All he really seemed to care about was being in front of the news, right? You, you know, mean, yeah. Yeah. Is, is that a conscious decision by the Biden administration? Because, I mean, Biden certainly is known to uh, get a lot of attention for things that he says, perhaps inadvertently in the past. I, I have to think it is. And there has been some reporting to, you know, to that effect. Uh, that they recognize that Biden's strength is in smaller doses. That is when he can relay, you know, things like empathy and sympathy and talk sort of as be a president, be presidential, right? Trump always would say, you know, that old definition presidential, I don't want to sort of abide by that sort of way of thinking. And so I, I think it probably is somewhat of a conscious decision. And right now, you know, it's working. It's working, so you can't really argue with it. Harry, I want to talk a little bit about the Republicans for a second. Um, and uh, I'm sort of thinking ahead to 22, but I don't even want to do that. I just want to ask about, let's talk about January 6th uh, for a second. Um, and the effort, um, I guess, from the GOP's perspective, uh, they're challenging whether you want to believe me or your own eyes. Uh, and uh, we're, we're getting a kind of like a redo of what we saw uh, on their part. I mean, what is your take on what's going on with the Republican Party right now? Uh, Liz Cheney, Congressman Green, I mean, the whole thing. What's going on there, do you think? I, I mean, I have to be honest. You know, I, like you, Lee, look at polling data all day long. We look at the historic stuff. You might have lived it. I might have read about it. <laughs> Are we talking about that Abe Lincoln election again? Is that what's, what's going on here? Yeah, when, when, Lee was only 21 during the election of 1860. Um, <laughs> Truman was president when I was <laughs> when I was born. If that, if that helps or hurts, <laughs> uh, but you know we look at this stuff, and I've seen a lot of ridiculous poll numbers in my day that are almost too crazy to be believed. But the amount of poll data that we see now about the Republican opinions about whether it be the election and whether or not it was stolen, which it obviously was not. Joe Biden was legitimately elected or whether it be about January 6th, really is bonkers. Uh, you know, there was an Axios Ipsos poll that, or a Reuters Ipsos poll, excuse me, that was, that was released uh, this past week. And they asked the question, who do you believe is the true president, Donald Trump or Joe Biden? And among Republicans, 53% said the true president was Donald Trump. That is bat crazy. That is nuts. When it comes to January 6th and they say, do you believe that the protesters were uh, mostly peaceful. I, I believe that 48% of Republicans said yes versus just 40% said no. And then a majority of Republicans said, okay, of the, basically uh, that the, the, the question was asked, uh, were, were left-wingers responsible for the uh, violence at the insurrection on January 6th? And a majority of Republicans said yes. So on the one hand, they say that the protesters were mostly peaceful, but among those who were violent, those were, it was a left-wing plot. And all of this is, in my opinion, to distract from the idea of giving Trump any responsibility for what happened on January 6th. 
in the polling, you know, basically it's roughly between say 20 and 30% who say that Trump was even partially responsible for what was going on. And you just sort of draw this line from the election back in 2020 to January 6th to now. And all of this seems to almost be this way of thinking so that you assign as little bad possible to the former president and anything that is bad, it's all the problems of the left wing and it's all some massive conspiracy theory, which to be honest, is just absolutely insane. People should believe their own eyes. There's no truth to any of this stuff, yet a lot of people, at least on the Republican side, seem to believe it. Is, is, that's what, is that what has helped driving independence uh, to be you know, more in, in Biden's corner here? Uh, and not even Democrats, like on the congressional, generic congressional independents are actually not as favorable towards Democrats as they are towards Biden. Is, is, it, is that part of it? Independents look at this and, and they just see a Republican Party, like some Republicans, like Liz Cheney sees, that doesn't resemble the Republican Party that they might align with? You know, I think that there's probably, look, we're talk elections are one on the margins, especially these days, right? We're probably talking a very small portion, but we do know from the polling that there is a small portion of the electorate who did not like Donald Trump because of his personality. It wasn't the issues, right? Remember, during Trump's presidency, he regularly ran ahead of his overall approval rating with his approval rating on the economy. Even after the election, most voters said that, you know, Trump did good things for the economy, yet they could not vote for him. Part of that was the coronavirus pandemic, don't get me wrong. But even before it hit, Biden was still running ahead of where you would think Trump would on the Trump would based upon the state of the economy. And you have to think putting it all together that his personality and sort of this cult-like status that he has with certain portions of the electorate turned off other swing portions of the electorate. And even in my everyday life, I know people who did not vote in 2016, who decided that they had to vote in 2020 just because they couldn't take it anymore. What are the implications moving forward in terms of in terms of governing? Uh, when you look at the polls, a lot of uh, Biden's proposals are incredibly popular, not just among Democrats, independents, and even a pretty solid proportion um, of Republicans as well. Uh, will the Republicans end up having taking any kind of a cost um, by obstructing some of these things and some of these issues that are very popular? Uh, does, does it ever come home to roost? Boy, I, I got to tell you, I'm I'm skeptical that they will see much of a cost. Maybe they will, right? The future will tell us all. But I, I am skeptical that they will, in part because, you know, you look at the generic ballot right now, for example, and you see that while the Democrats are ahead, they're only ahead by three to four points. That's a no change from where we were in the 2020 election in terms of the results. And in fact, the Democrats are actually polling worse on the generic ballot than they were polling in the pre-election polls heading into 2020. Would they be polling, would, would Republicans be doing better if let's say they were favoring some of these proposals that Biden put out? Maybe, but at this point they're doing pretty decently. And the other thing that I will note is that a lot of this stuff like infrastructure, for example, which tends to poll pretty well, uh, it's not a top issue for a lot of voters, right? Uh, it, that's what the polling says. And, and more than that, I, I would say that, you know, you guys know this, it's often tough to poll issues. Uh, describing it, getting people to understand it uh, is one thing in, you know, and 
getting them once their party leaders tell them almost the way to think, which happens on the both the left and the right, that's a whole other thing. Something in the hypothetical and the theoretical is something different in the real world. But you know, it couldn't hurt if Republicans put forth uh, popular things. It probably doesn't hurt Democrats to put forth popular things. Uh, that's generally the way things go. That's part of the reason I think Biden won in a way that perhaps some of the other Democrats might not have been able to. But at this point, I'm not necessarily sure that Republicans will be hurt too much by, say, not getting behind full throttle, say, the first Biden big economic COVID relief package or even the infrastructure, which some of them may still get behind just yet. Yeah, well, that's consistent with your what you're talking about, that the 2020 elections was more repudiation of Donald Trump's temperament than repudiation of the congressional Republicans. Yes. And they may be banking on the same uh, strategy. Uh, we're now going to turn the page, however, uh, to uh, a segment we call our fun fact. And we're going to, Harry, you'll be glad to know you're the first guest to be included. I'm sharing the fun <laughs> fact with you because of a specific interest you have. Let me tell you what this is about. So uh, Gallup USA Today, CNN, uh, 25 years ago, August 1996, asked if you or other members of your household do each of the following for your dog. Now, all of us are dog lovers on, uh, on this uh, program. They may, may, they may want to jump in as well. But let me tell you. Uh, the dogs are us. <laughs> well, <laughs> at your yeah, house, it could be it both. Be <laughs> it could be yeah. both. Freddie's been known to get involved with these things. Anyway, so let's go down. We have national numbers, and let's see uh, what you think, uh, whether you're a participant in this. So the number one item with 63% of the country clocking in was whether you give toys, sorry about that, give toys or presents at Christmas to your dog. Hmm. What about Hanukkah? Does it have to be Christmas? Yeah, I know. does it include all of the holidays? Well, just some, we're just talking Christmas at this point. So uh, okay, okay. Well, we can extend extend that to uh, the holiday season if you like. Harry, are you in? Are you in on that? I, I definitely. I, I I give. But the truth of the matter is, is I would give a dog a present any day. I have a friend, Vin D'Antone, who lives in Jersey, has a little Shih Tzu named Bella, and I always tell him to send me pictures of the dog eating red meat, and if he doesn't, he's in my doghouse. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, actually, every time uh, the UPS guy drives up, I know dogs generally like trucks, but they do realize that uh, the UPS truck leaves things, and they are always very interested in whatever box comes into the house. Uh, I, I know the answer to this for you, Barb, but... Uh, ever uh, put up a Christmas stocking for a canine, as in 40% of what Americans with dogs do? Well, I actually uh, would put up uh, a Christmas stocking for each of the dogs. And uh, and Hurryback Meringoff was actually the one who was most fond of her stocking. In fact, she would continue to bark um, at the place where the stocking was, even, you know, around Easter time, Halloween, any time of the year, even when the stocking wasn't there because it was filled with treats. And she just assumed that was the treat spot. Ari, you have any pictures on the wall or uh, furniture at home uh, with, with uh, canines? Uh, of course. I mean, obviously, <laughs> I don't do I don't do a Christmas stocking. It's not quite my uh, my my M.O., uh, but yes, of course, obviously, uh, the dog, the, the dog is the most important part of any family. You know, there's, there's, there's two of these that I love. I don't know if I'm stepping on what you're going to get to Lee. There's two of these that I love because I love older polls when they, um, when the questions tell you something about the time. 
And so one of the questions is, do you carry a picture in your wallet or purse? Well, your wallet or purse is this phone now. And the answer then was only 12% they do. I would guess the answer now is 102% <laughs> that they carry it on their phone. And the, but the other one was, do you talk to it on the phone or answering machine? Answering machine. Do you remember those? I thought that was good too. Yes. And now we have little, you know, uh, doggy, uh, you know, conversation uh, pieces, videos and, and audio where you can see and hear and talk to uh, your four-legged critter wherever you are. Well, I got one more and then, and then we'll scoot. Um, and this one, Harry, I, I think I know the answer to this. 21% uh, of the country who has dogs says they would leave a radio, stereo or TV on for the dog when you're not at home. Harry, does your dog get a chance to watch CNN when you're not home? You know, this is the big thing is uh, maybe I, I'd leave the TV on and uh, have um, and then the dog would be like, wait a minute, he's not here, but he's here. What's going on? I've never actually seen a dog watch me on air, but it would be quite hilarious if I was able to capture that moment in time. And maybe the dog for a brief second, even though he might have been lonely, would think that there was someone there. That would be very meta. You know, <laughs> is there is there something that we haven't mentioned that you think uh, the way you treat uh, your dog as a as a family member that other people might feel is a little odd? Uh, no, I, I, I think that the truth of the matter is that my interactions with dogs are basically what most dog lovers would have. I, I guess for me, though, I elevate dogs above any other human in the household. So. I don't think that that's too unusual, but that's definitely the case for me. Not at all. Not at all. Thank you so much, Harry. We really enjoy having you. Uh, look forward to uh, hearing and seeing you, lots of you on, on CNN. Thanks for joining us today. My pleasure. Thank you again for having me, have me back anytime. Before we go, something's happening today. What is it? Amelia, what's going on? <laughs> oh, it's my last day. Yeah, well, surprise, surprise. Amelia Morell has uh, has been uh, helping, not helping. I mean, gee, Mary, you can you can chime in here too. Uh, she has been uh, doing the hard work on this podcast for a long time now, and uh, this is her last episode. Yes, and because because she is going to be graduating. Uh, from Marist College this Memorial Day weekend. Uh, yes, there is actually a graduation uh, for social distancing. It's Saturday and Sunday. Which day are you going to be uh, graduating, Amelia? I'll be graduating on Sunday. I, I, more significantly, your father is our number one fan, and your dog Hudson has become our mascot. So the question is, we might be losing you, sort of, but do we keep your father and Hudson? That's all I want to know. Oh, of course. They can definitely still be the biggest fan in the mascot. And tell us tell us a little bit you, what you're going to be doing uh, after you leave Marist. I am t going to be the associate producer at New York One for the daytime news show. Terrific. Mary, why don't you get the last word? You work most closely with Amelia. Uh, why don't you send her off into her future? Amelia, it's been quite a pleasure uh, working with you, watching you grow over the past four years. You're one of the few students that we've worked with who've been with us for four years, um, including classwork and the podcast. And I wish you all the best. Thank you for everything you've done for us. And don't be a stranger because you know we will find you and we know how to get in touch with your dad. So I'll leave it at that. Congrats. <laughs> Thank you, Amelia. Congratulations. Thank you, everyone. 
That's a wrap on this week's edition of Poll Hub. Poll Hub is a production of the Maris Poll at Maris College in Poughkeepsie, New York. I'm Mary Griffith and Poll Hub's executive producer. Rounding out our team behind the scenes, Casey Schaff, our production supervisor, Amelia Morell, our production assistant, and Marcello Bettman, our trusted editor. Of course, many thanks to the Roper Center Archive at Cornell University. They provide us with the ability to look back at survey questions and results over the decades. And if you have questions or comments, hit us up on social media. We're at Maris Poll on Twitter and Maris Poll on Facebook and Instagram. Check out our online learning academy. The Maris Poll Academy can be found at marispoll.com. That's where we give you the 101 on polls, methodology, and so much more. Oh, yeah, and it's free. Finally, if you like what you hear on Poll Hub, please consider leaving a review on your podcasting app of choice. Positive reviews help others find us. And while you're at it, go ahead and subscribe. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll see you next week.